Today in Business from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy to use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60 day trial at shipstation.com slash tech news. That's shipstation.com slash tech news. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Today in Business from Wired The problem with big tech's wartime push against Putin. Plus, Silicon Valley's response to Snowden, stories that shift reality, and accumulation of catastrophes. By Stephen Levy. Hi, everyone. Finally, something to do besides doom scrolling. Wait for a table at Veselka. The Plain View. In 1942, smokers of one of the leading cigarette brands noticed a change in the packaging. The green background on Lucky Strike boxes was now white. The American Tobacco Company's official explanation was that copper used to produce the green pigment was at a premium during wartime. To support the Allied troops, the cigarette maker sacrificed by abandoning the green dye. In what might be called mid-century virtue signaling, the firm rolled out a massive ad campaign with the slogan, Lucky Strike Green Has Gone to War. The current Russian invasion of Ukraine has offered a similar opportunity for a contemporary industry that has occasionally been compared to the tobacco cartel, Big Tech. Multiple times a day, we read about how technology companies ranging from trillionaire giants to startups are prioritizing wartime responsibilities and denying services to Russia or aiding Ukraine. Some of these moves have directly impacted the battlefield. If you extend the war theater to digital cyberstructure, as well as the global fight for hearts and minds, The decisions of Meta, Twitter, Google, and Microsoft to block or constrain the Russian news agencies Sputnik and RT, for instance, represents an attempt to preemptively mitigate disinformation. Other measures fall in the category of an overall boycott of a country brutally attacking another without provocation or offering aid to the disenfranchised. Apple, for instance, closed its stores in Moscow. Airbnb is offering free lodging to refugees. SpaceX is sending Starlink internet terminals to Ukraine. And just as the American tobacco company did in 1942, those launching such initiatives are making sure we know about it. 
It's heartening to see how almost all the Western world, except maybe Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump, is united in condemning Putin's invasion, and that corporations, by and large, are making moves to back that up. Yet some of those decisions aren't so clear-cut in who they benefit and what precedents they might establish. In some cases, their responses are state-requested, originating from the U.S., EU, or Ukraine itself. Those are hard to turn down. But companies like Meta, Twitter, and Google have spent years devising policies to guide their actions. And those rules were intended to be applied regardless of where political winds are blowing. I am reminded of the exuberance inside the company then called Facebook when its products helped power the Arab Spring. In the excitement of aligning with a liberation movement, Facebook's leaders failed to see how the same protocols could later empower deadly misinformation in Myanmar and at the U.S. Capitol. Our big tech companies are so powerful that even actions that seem morally clear-cut can bite back later on. Take the question of how Facebook operates inside of Russia. Meta is defying Putin's objections to fact-checking and has blocked state-backed ads. In response, Russia itself is slowing down access to the platform. If Meta decided to pull Facebook from Russia altogether, would it be a punishment or a reward to Putin? Removal might signify a Zuckerbergian solidarity with the emerging corporate boycott and also provide a means to fully shut down disinformation circulating on Cyrillic news feeds. Whoops, change that to feeds. But it would also preclude the possibility that Russians unhappy with Putin's actions might organize protests, share stories of young soldiers at risk, or at least complain about the effects of sanctions. Responding to a question I asked in a press call, Meta's policy czar Nick Clegg shared how the company views such contradictions. We are a private sector company which runs apps or services, which happen to be relied upon by millions of people in Russia and Ukraine, at a moment of great distress and military conflict, he said. And also we are having demands made of us by governments in numerous different jurisdictions. That is quite a difficult balancing trick for us to strike. Maybe the best example of this conundrum in the tech world are the demands on the crypto community to deny services to Russians. If it doesn't, the argument goes, cryptocurrencies will be the loophole by which Putin's oligarchs will shelter their ill-gotten fortunes. But one of the pillars of crypto technology is that no state action can constrain the much-touted decentralized digital commerce. On one hand, it seems like a great idea to freeze the wallets of Russian kleptocrats, just as banks are doing with their offshore accounts, but doing the right thing in this case would be like pulling a weight-bearing Jenga piece out of a delicately balanced crypto architecture. If crypto is not amoral, is it really crypto? So far, some crypto exchanges are holding out. While there may be no right answers for a lot of these questions, one truth shines through. These platforms are scarily intertwined in the body politic and the global economic machinery. And actions taken now, even with the best intentions, might wind up repeated to our disadvantage. Cooperation with state-issued requests that skirt established corporate policies could set a troubling precedent. In general, consumers should be wary of corporate actions taken in the guise of righteousness. Take Lucky Strike. Post-armistice, it came out that the tobacco company's vaunted switch from copper pigment had actually been planned long before Pearl Harbor. Surveys had shown that its female customers didn't like green. The war provided cover for something the company was intending to do anyway. So, as I paged through the press releases of tech companies mobilized against Putin, my first question is, got a light? Time travel. Big Tech's response to Putin's invasion of Ukraine represents a hefty pendulum swing from the dark period after Edward Snowden's revelations. 
In a 2014 story about how Silicon Valley responded to the leaks, I found that the security and policy officials were appalled by federal actions to the point where they considered their own government as an adversary. News of the government raid on data center traffic hit the industry with the visceral shock of having one's home robbed. The betrayal was most strikingly illustrated in a PowerPoint slide that showed how the NSA had bypassed Google's encryption, inserting a probe as data moved from its servers across the open internet. Between two big clouds, one representing the public internet and other labeled Google Cloud, there was a little hand-drawn smiley face, a blithe emoji gotcha never meant to be seen by its victim. Google's Drummond wrote an indignant statement to the Post, describing the company as outraged. Yahoo's director of security, Ramses Martinez, endorses the sentiment. It was news to us, he says of Muscular. We put a lot of work into securing our data. It's one thing to object to a legal process that one believes is unconstitutional. It's quite another to be working for an American company charged with protecting the privacy of customers and find that the eyes staring across from you on the virtual Maginot line of cyber defense are those of the United States of America. Ask me one thing. Dag asks, from your perspective, what was the most intriguing story you've ever written? Thanks, Dag. It's impossible to identify the single most intriguing story, but a continuing source of fascination for me is when the nature of reality shifts as the reporting continues. I loved doing the fairly recent story about Huawei and polar codes because of the way a mathematical discovery altered perception of a business and economic issue. My immersion into crypto wars provided a window into the enforced paranoia of the intelligence agencies, where truth unfolds fractally and every answer raises another question. This dynamic affected another favorite, my report on the puzzle of the encoded crypto sculpture at the CIA. No wonder that one of my favorite lines in theater is from Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, when Martha says, Truth or illusion, George, you don't know the difference. To which George responds, No, but we must carry on as though we did. End Times Chronicle. Putin is threatening nukes. The UN reports that we have almost no time to forestall a climate catastrophe. And there's no baseball. What more do you need to know? Last but not least, on top of everything else, Ukraine is now an environmental hell. You thought Telegram was a mouthpiece for right-wing spreaders of misinformation? Maybe it is. But the service is also providing critical networking for Ukrainians. You can admire Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. You can be inspired by him, but don't memeify him. India's inexcusable caste bias has infected Silicon Valley. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more business news at wired.com business. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.